0: This is the the Coach Brew Show. Show. This is also the world's shortest podcast intro. Style versus substance. Hey everybody, welcome to the Coach Brew Podcast. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by my apparel company, Chin Up, Chest Out. And we just released our summer collection. It's an all new set of summer gear. T-shirts, visors, hats, might even be a hoodie mixed in there. You'll have to go to chinupchestout.com and check it out. You know, whether you're lakeside, poolside, fireside, uh, dockside, campside, uh, shady side, sunny side, doesn't matter. Uh, we got some. We got you covered. No pun intended. Check it out at chinupchestout.com. Today, we're talking about style versus substance. Specifically, um, you know, I love to use myself as an example. Oftentimes, in some of these uh, life or business lessons that I pass along on the pod, well, um, my daughter's a senior in high school this past year. She just graduated, and today's lesson is going to be kind of through her lens and about... uh, our college search process over the past, oh, wow, almost two years now. So um, she is very fortunate. She takes after her mother and has uh, outstanding grades and SAT scores. So she has a lot of options, a lot of different college opportunities, and can afford to be fairly selective, unlike yours, brulee back in the day. Anywho, um, they began this whole search process, uh, the guidance office, the school in 11th grade. And we started taking Meredith on visits to different universities, uh, her junior year, summer, summer after junior year. So basically at the height of the pandemic, if you think, if you think back, um, almost, yeah, two years ago now. And uh, many universities were open to the public. Some of the more elite bastions of knowledge, such as the New England Small College Athletic Conference schools and the Ivy League schools, um, didn't allow any visitors. All their students were remote. You could not meet with an admissions or financial aid representative or anything and they stayed that way for a long time so bear that little factoid in mind um one of the first schools she visited was a school from that list I just referenced a New England small college athletic conference school called Hamilton College And I mean no offense to Hamilton or any other institution. I might mention during this podcast, um, this is merely observational. So essentially, they were able to drive onto the campus, drive through the campus, park in a designated area, put masks on, and walk around outside only for a very limited period of time. And in this very brief, beyond socially distanced experience, they didn't get to talk to anyone. They didn't get to meet anyone. They didn't get to go into any buildings. So during this very brief, extremely socially distanced experience, somehow my daughter fell in love with Hamilton College. She then went to visit Rochester Institute of Technology, um, Smith College, a whole bunch of other colleges on the way out there and on the way back. Most of those other institutions, she was able to not only go on campus, but go in buildings, go into the dining hall, have a meal, see what dormitory rooms looked like, meet admissions officers, interview, have really a full realistic preview of the college experience and there is a lesson in here for all of you regarding marketing style versus substance um how you choose things how people choose you or your product or service so follow me here i'm giving you kind of the i'm broad brushing it and giving you the backstory. I took her to visit colleges. Um, My wife took her on those trips. Then I took her to visit colleges in the Philadelphia area. Same experience. You get to go on campus, meet people, take a tour, go into buildings. A more realistic preview than Hamilton College. No matter how many schools we visited, no matter how many lists she was on, no matter how many... uh, Phone calls and Zooms she had with other institutions. Hamilton remained tops on her list. And my theory on that was not that she just felt some sort of magical connection with the institution when she walked outdoors on the campus. But it was that they handled their marketing very differently than these other schools. They uh, sent their accepted students a questionnaire before before they were accepted, back when they were applicants. You know, what are your favorite songs was one of the questions. And I know this because I got all the same emails that my daughter got from them. So after the acceptance letters, or should I say emails with uh Glitzy kind of landing pages went out. They sent all the accepted students before the kids deposited. They sent them a Spotify playlist called the soundtrack to your freshman year in Hamilton. And my daughter showed this to me. And apparently she forgot about the questionnaire, which included, what are your favorite songs? Because she said some of my favorite songs are some of their favorite songs because they're on this soundtrack to your freshman year. I said, yeah, they basically crowdsourced the answer to form a false emotional connection with all the accepted students. They took all of your responses and made a playlist out of it, which that's, you know, marketing wizardry to tap into that emotional connection. And my question for you is how are you doing that? How are you creating an emotional connection with your audience, your prospects, your customers, whatever it might be? You know, For them, it was, uh, you know, kind of the illusion, and maybe it's a little deceptive. The illusion of commonality, common interests. Um, they did some other interesting things throughout this process. Uh, as I had mentioned, the acceptance letters, like we I'm old, you know, So in my era, you you interviewed with the school. probably didn't hear from them again until you got either a very thick envelope which indicated in the mail, a physical envelope, which indicated you were accepted because it had like your uh, housing information, your financial aid, all that. Or you got a very thin envelope, which was a one sheet, one sheet of paper, which is a rejection letter. And then uh, there's basically no information moving forward until you arrived on campus. If you got one of those big thick envelopes, which was an acceptance letter. There's very little emotional connection. There's very little marketing or promotion or advertising. But uh, the game has changed. You know, her acceptance letters were electronic with one school, uh, Haverford College. They told everyone via email this is the day acceptances go out um, or decisions go out. And the exact time that it would go out, kids are sitting by their computers, waiting to open up that email, and their acceptance landing page, it's not even a letter, it's not even an email, it was a landing page, you click a link, and it shows uh, their mascot, a bunch of their mascots, in like a videographic parachuting down from the top of the screen to the bottom of the screen, sort of like... Hand delivering you your acceptance letter with a big congratulations. It's very cute. You know their mascot is a squirrel, and uh, instead of a student teacher ratio, they do a student to squirrel ratio in their admissions materials. It's it's cute. It's fun. It shows their personality. Anyway, um, talk about the game changing. Like that's how these kids are finding out about their you know potentially biggest decision. They're going to make a landing page. Anyway, um, many schools will include gifts, coffee mugs, blankets, uh, socks, mittens. One college sent my daughter a pair of mittens with her acceptance letter just to create that kind of idea of the law of reciprocity. We do something nice for you. You might be more inclined to come here. Um, Stickers for you to put On your laptop, on your car, on your whatever. Essentially, you, the prospect, are doing advertising for that place of business. And that's really what colleges are. They're a place of business. They're in the enrollment business. It seems way more than the education business in some cases. A bunch of schools followed her on social media, started liking her posts. Oh, they like me. And that makes you want to like them more. So my concern as a parent is, did she really fall in love with the college or did she fall in love? And this is the big learning takeaway for you. Did she fall in love with their marketing? Like did, you, did you ever fall in love with a product And then realize uh, it didn't live up to the marketing. There's an old saying, nothing kills a bad product faster than a good salesman. And I'm not saying that that college is a bad product. It's probably the furthest thing from that. It's an exceptional academic institution. But my point being, it's the one school. She didn't get a realistic preview of what it would be like. Is she actually going to like it when she arrives on campus and can go in buildings? she going to like the living accommodations, the cafeteria, the food, the classroom setup, the professors, the staff? All the things she did not get a realistic preview of that she got a preview of darn near everywhere else. So it's just fascinating to me, this idea of, you know, are you falling in love with the product or the service or versus falling in love with their marketing? And I recently bought a skincare product um, that's supposed to, like, firm up your skin and remove wrinkles and bags under your eyes and that kind of thing. Um, and it's... Basically, snake oil. I paid $24 for something that I've been using for four months that has done nothing. But boy, was their marketing fabulous. The retargeting ads off of their uh, retargeting pixel from you know that initial ad on their website. Uh, the, the videos, the alleged before and after shots they showed. The testimonials. And it's snake oil. It's the furthest thing from the truth. I realize in that case, I fell in love with their marketing and the product did not, by any stretch of the imagination, live up to the marketing. I think we all need to be mindful and careful of making sure that our marketing aligns with our product or service. Philosophically, you know, what are the... uh, The values that your organization, institution uh, espouses, does the product, does the service align with that? And does the way you go about communicating with customers, potential customers, prospects, clients, align with all of that? You know, customer-client curation is incredibly important you know how what's what's how do people enter your world what's their entry point what is their process what is your process for curating your customer base your client base because if people enter the wrong way or for the wrong reasons they're not going to stay very long they're not going to be a source of referrals they're not going to invest their hard-earned money with you and spend it on your product or service repeatedly. You know, there's a big difference. I like to say there's a big difference between a buyer and a customer. A buyer is typically a one-time transaction. A customer, if you break down the word, take off the ER, you have the word custom. A customer likes to make a custom of buying from you they enjoy buying from you they find value to the point where there is great frequency and consistency in their purchase and so much of what dictates whether someone's a buyer or a customer is how you curate your customers and prospects how do they enter your world are they entering for the right reasons the right way You know, most of my readers enter through my mailing list, my email list, where I send out articles. You know, it's not videos, it's not uh, graphics, it's intelligent research-based articles that are more than 100, 200 words. Like, people need to be intellectually curious real readers who enjoy reading and find value in reading to then become prospects for purchasing my books, listening to a podcast that's more than two or three minutes. And certainly uh, working with me as a coaching client, you need to be intellectually curious. So the way most people will enter my world is through my newsletter. And that's how I like to curate my customers and prospects. How do you curate yours? Because clearly the game has changed. If you look at the selection process and the marketing colleges, how other institutions and organizations go about their advertising, Have you changed with the game? And I'm not saying you have to. I do agree in the whole concept of evolve or perish. As long as you have a filter, you know, a curation process. And people are entering your world the right ways for the right reasons. So that's my message to you today. I will be very curious when we drop my daughter off in two weeks at college, um, if she, if it lives up to the billing, if it lives up to the marketing, if she decides that's the right place for her for four years. So that being said, uh, do a little audit of style versus substance in your business with your product or service and your customer. Not buyer, customer curation process. Today's podcast is brought to you by my apparel company, ChinUpChestOut.com. We're a motivational apparel company that supports mental health organizations throughout the U.S. And our summer collection just dropped uh, at the time of uh, this recording. is July 21st, 2022. And uh, we've got some great new merch on the, in the website, on the store there. Uh, check it out at chinupchestout.com. Click the little icon that says summer. And uh, get yourself outfitted with some gear. A percentage of all sales go to uh, different mental health organizations each quarter. And thanks for sticking with me. I know this is a little bit longer podcast today, but uh, I had to give you some background information uh, to really illustrate you know, how the learning takeaway can sink in and how it's related to your business. Catch you next time in the Coach Brew Podcast. Make it a great day. Thanks for listening to the Coach Brew Show. If you're not currently subscribed to the podcast, sign up now on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And for more information to turn your potential into performance, head on over to coachbrew.com now.